I want to share uh, just an excitement. Being thankful was one of my deals, right, for this year. So I just want to share with folks at home and the folks here that, uh, you know, even God can bring good stuff out of bad stuff, right? He brings life out of resurrection, light out of dark. Um, and so we've had a pandemic for this year and uh, had very, you know, a lot of, for most of the year, we've had church via Zoom or via YouTube and Facebook. But the good thing that has come out of it, now that we begin to come out and our crowd becomes a little bigger, is, is something I'm thankful for that really excites me. It's like a gift. Because slowly, one, every Sunday for the last few weeks, uh, I will see somebody. Now, this has been their church for a long time, but I haven't seen them because I came in the middle of the pandemic. So when I see somebody that I know is a partner in this church that I haven't seen coming to church, I get extremely excited, right? It is so thrilling. Uh, I know a lot of you have been here off and on during capacities, but like a few weeks ago, the Johns, I've seen them on paper. I never saw them before. And I saw them in church and that thrilled me. Today, bless my heart, Barbara Shields was here to, is here today. And that just, that just thrills me. Uh, and then Allison, one of our regular visitors, newer folks, has, has been coming the last few weeks. And I know Ashley would agree, that fills our heart with joy. So it's like this little Christmas that keeps on giving, right? Uh, when you have those late Christmases and you go, ooh, I got more presents, ooh, I got more presents. Each Sunday I feel like, ooh, I got more presents. So it's, it's a gift. All right, enough, enough about that, enough welling over. All right, our scripture today, we're in a series now about what's next, because there's this time Remember, and I repeat this because I think it's important, the two things that made the gospel, the disciples of the gospels, the disciples of Acts, are experiencing the resurrected Christ and the, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there was the time between those two things where Jesus was resurrected and then in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out as prophesied in the Old Testament. But there were some events that happened in the in-between. Um, the things that came next. And so from this time, from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday in May, uh, we're going to examine some of the stories about what happened next. This first one is dear to my heart. I think it's uh, fundamental to knowing the gospel and um, seeing about atonement and restoration, even after we've messed up. Think about, think about a time, uh, and you don't have to share, um, but you, and maybe y'all don't have any of that. I have too many of these where you really messed up, that you messed up and you thought maybe there's no coming back from this one. It could be in a relationship, it could be in your work, it could be in your life, whatever it might be. But that, think about that time that you just messed up royally. And just kind of keep that in the back of your heart as we go through this um, scripture here today. All right, our scripture comes out of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said, said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. So I relate to this story. I think we all can in some sense, some more than others. Some of us that are more hard-headed, more type A, uh, more stubborn, think highly of ourselves. Uh, the list goes on, you get my point. But I think those of us that fall into this category can relate to this story. And so this is, takes place after the resurrection, obviously, after Peter, remember what Peter just did, Peter denied Jesus three times. That's why he was hurt when Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And in this story, we see the gospel being lived out. Some of the, the best stories in scripture, the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, we see the elements of the gospel it, it, in, intertwined in these stories. And so we see that in this story. First, we understand who Peter is. We go back and look and remember our Easter sermon where we talked about being powerless and understanding that we're powerless, coming to that pivotal point, how important that is to us receiving Christ and our salvation. But we, we know from Peter throughout Scripture, he was uh, the typical religious person or, or trying to be religious by his own power by his own works. So there's story after story. We have the story of when Jesus is explaining his death and his resurrection, Peter says, I'll never let that happen. Stepping out there, right? I'm powerful, I'm Peter, that's not gonna happen. But Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking in the things of men, not in the ways of God. I mean, if you think about it, I share this every time I talk about that. Jesus was telling them how he was going to, about the salvation of the world through his death and resurrection. And Peter stood up thinking purely from a secular worldly point of view, said, I'm never gonna let that happen. Now, when you think from it spiritually, that makes sense, right? But Peter was always trying to get out in front, always trying to impress Jesus on his own power. And the story that leads us to this dramatic scene on the beach. When Jesus was talking about his death and imprisonment, Jesus says, I will die before I let that happen. Jesus looks at him, Peter, Peter, Peter. You think so? Not only will you not die, you will deny me. You'll deny that you even know me. Peter says, no. But what happens? Peter jumped out there on his own words instead of following Jesus on his own power. And he says, I, I got this under control. 
tries to slice off uh, in the garden. He tries to slice off Mal- Malchus' ear. I mean, but he tried to do it on his own power. And what we realized is we're never going to follow Jesus or be the person we need to be or find the salvation we need until we realize we're powerless to do it. And now Jesus needed Peter. He had told him he was going to be the the rock, the cornerstone. He was going to begin the church. And Peter was, but he wasn't going to do it in his own power, following his own will. He was only going to do it following Christ. And so Peter needed an attitude adjustment. And so we see the, the problem with Peter in the beginning, that he is trying to do everything and follow Christ on his own power. But then we also see this act. So that's us, right? That's us as we live this life. We want it to be about us. That's what original sin, that's what chapter three in Genesis tells us. We want it to be about us. We want everyone to acknowledge our good works and we want it to be about me, me, me. That's the essence of original sin. That's the essence. And so we even make our religious life about me and what I do. And we see that in Peter, but that always leads to failure because we can never live up to that. And so we see that Peter obviously sinned. He transgressed against Peter, denying him in his mo- against Jesus in his most desperate hour. I mean, and especially for a person like Peter, that is the worst thing that could have happened, right? I got this, Lord, and I will never let you down. It was all about Peter, and the worst thing that could devastate him, he did it. And so trying to operate on his own power, he failed miserably, and so he's getting closer to where he needs to be. And so then we see this dramatic episode on the beach after he had messed up so badly. And, he, and God uses our own personality faults to help shape us and mold us. That's how great God is. God uses our mistakes to shape us and mold us. Our personality faults, when we get angry when we shouldn't, when, if we're following Christ, that kind of stuff uh, weighs us down and defeats us. He uses our own weaknesses for us. See, and that's different than the law. You know, I talk about the law a lot because it always comes down to us and us wanting to live this life, wanting to be religious on our own power. But the problem is, in the law, law is very black and white. You're either guilty or you're not guilty. And when we fail in the law, it condemns us. In some situations, it can condemn us in our culture, in our community. A lot, of, a lot of times, no second chances. And it also condemns us in our spirits. In this moment, you can feel, or, or maybe it's just me, as I read this, I can feel Peter's pain and disappointment in himself because he failed to live up. But... But grace is different, right? It is in grace that we find resurrection. We find new life. We find a second chance. Yeah, you did mess up. And understand, grace is not a a, a minimizing of the sin or the transgression. It, It is fully acknowledging it. 
It's not like, okay, you just get off free. We didn't meet the justice or the atonement required for your transgressions. Remember Easter last week? It's not because we have to be careful, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer refers to it, that we don't make it cheap grace. That we don't just say, ah, never mind. That's not, that's not what happens here to Peter. He didn't say, Jesus wasn't saying, just forget it. You don't have to atone for it. Remember what it was? The good news? It's already been atoned for. That's why he can get grace. Jesus already atoned for his past, present, and future sin. He's already atoned for mine, and I'm going to need it because I'm going to mess up again. Amen. Thank you for taking my wife's spot. (laughs) But it's true. I know. I'm self-aware. I'm going to mess up again. And Jesus is going to give me grace. But again, it's not cheap grace. It costs Jesus everything. It costs him everything. But I get a second chance because what Jesus did for me. I get a chance to live an atonement in my life because of what Jesus did for me. And see, that's what keeps me going. I have my daughter, uh, she's... uh, just moved into a new house, and Lord has blessed her even when she makes crazy decisions. Uh, they, they bought, this is really personal, but I don't know. It's, she's not watching. Uh, <laughs> so they, they bought a house like a year and a half ago that was way too big for him. Way too big, way too much of a house. But they got a good deal on it. And I told her, I said, that's a lot of house. You know, it, there's a lot of yard, and her husband's a private pilot, and, and I was like, oh, and, and it was, and they realized it was, and so they weren't sure what to do, and so they said, well, let's see if we can sell it. Well, you know what the housing market has done? So they just walked into that one. They just sold it and bought a brand new house that's much smaller, much cheaper, and perfect for them. But anyway, that has nothing to do with sermon. But she asked me, because she's in that point, she has faith, but she hasn't been to seminary. She hadn't studied the Bible like I have. She hadn't, and it's really more personal experience. She asked me, she goes, Dad, well, do you believe this 100%? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. It might not always look like it when I'm struggling or I'm angry or something like that, but I'm Peter on the beach over and over and over again. I know the truth is out there. The truth about sin is in Scripture. The truth about me is in Scripture. And the truth matches up with my reality. And so every, every time I've messed up or every time I've counseled somebody and I see God's grace at work, I see this lived out over and over, this, uh, this episode on the beach and people's lives and the freedom and the transformation that comes from the grace of Jesus Christ. It changes lives. And I said, absolutely, I believe it. I said, my cup might be a little rough on the outside, but it's, it's absolute on the inside. See, that's what happened with Peter. And it's always a response. Remember the last characteristic of a disciple? It's love. And that's what happened here. That's what happened here. 
Jesus asked Peter three times. He didn't ask him. He did. He, he, Jesus knew what this was going to do, but he didn't ask him about his doctrine, how much he knew the Old Testament. He didn't ask him about his deeds or his works or what his plan was for the future. He didn't ask him his goals, his aspirations. He didn't ask him any of that. He said, I need to know one thing. Do you love me? Because in the end, that's the foundation of our faith. And understand, it is not a work we do. It does not originate with us. Our love for Christ is in response for his love for us. And Peter was fresh in his mind, Jesus, Christ, Jesus' love for him. He had just told him earlier in the gospel, earlier in the story, there's no greater love than this, than one would give their life for his friends. And, Jesus, and Peter's sitting there looking at his friends that gave his life for him and gave his life for somebody that, that denied him in his most desperate hour. What greater love is that? So he didn't need that. The question wasn't, Peter, do you believe that I love you? The question is, do you love me? That will tell me all I need to know. Do you love me? And see, this, this, this encounter with Jesus, this encounter with grace is what transformed Peter. He experienced the, resurrect, the resurrected Lord, and he experienced the power of grace. See, there was no rationalizing his failure. There was no rationalizing his, his mess up. It was as obvious. And for someone like Peter, it needed to be very obvious. And yet and Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? And what does Jesus say at the, after the third time? He said, after each time, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. It wasn't all about Peter. It wasn't all about just restoring Peter. He needed to restore Peter so, Je so he could be the disciple Jesus needed him to be. He had a job to do. Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. Do you love me? Then let's get to work. How does our scripture close? Follow me. See, now Peter could truly follow him because he realized he needed and there's a great big difference between wanting religion, even let's say wanting Jesus and needing Jesus. And that's part of what I think pastor Aaron, or at least my call Jim, is I want people to move from wanting religion to needing Jesus. Because I'll tell you, and Aaron and Jim, you can testify, trying to lead a bunch of people that want religion is rough. Right? It's like swimming upstream. And we got, every church has a lot of them. But trying to lead people that realize in the bottom of their heart that they need Jesus every day and every hour. Whew, that's fantastic. God does stuff. See, Jesus, or Peter before was a guy that wanted Jesus for what he could do for him. He wanted to be his right-hand man. He wanted to be there when they took over. And, and Jesus was a rabbi, so he wanted to be religious. He wanted to be religious, but he didn't really think he needed Jesus. This time on the beach, he is stripped down spiritually, 
There's no facade. There's no faking it. There's no question about it. The only way he can be restored is through grace. He needed Jesus and the grace that comes with him. That's my prayer for this church. As we emerge out of the pandemic, that we, any of us that think we just want some religion in our lives, that this is just part of a very busy social calendar, or people just want some religion in their life, I pray the Lord will convict you, the Lord will move in you, that you realize how much you need Jesus. That happens to me over and over. I think I have this experience with Jesus on the beach too regularly. But when I forget about it, Jesus has to remind me. Because I'm not above getting involved in organization and structure and this and that and that and getting consumed by it and think all of a sudden I, I want some religion and make it all about religion and organization. And every God is faithful. He always gives me my Peter moment when I just say, I need you, right? So I pray that we're a church that realizes, like Peter, I need Jesus with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for, Lord, how you restore us, refresh us, make us new. And when we mess up, sometimes the same thing over and over, sometimes the thing that is, is bigger than we think even you can cover, we know deep in our hearts that your death atoned for all of our sin, past, present, and future. And so, Lord, we need you every day and every hour And we pray that you would fill us up with a desire and a thankfulness for what you have done for us, that we want to share with the world your grace and your mercy, that they might have the hope and the joy that comes with needing Jesus Christ. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.